This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Tim Fitzgerald at GoPowerCat.com. And I'm Scott Jason with Fog.net. This is a replay of WIBW's TV show, The Drive. Here's this week's episode on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network. Good evening, Wildcat and Jayhawk fans, and welcome to The Drive, sponsored by Briggs Auto Group. I am Tim Fitzgerald at GoPowerCat.com. The man across the studio for me is Scott Chasen of Fog.net. Scott, everyone's coming off of their snack food highs about now, staying up late to watch us. Yeah. Fitz, this is a dangerous show because we're taping before the Chiefs game. Mm -hmm. We don't know what happened. And if the Chiefs didn't win, I get the sense people are not going to enjoy our shtick very much today. I know. And and so if they don't win, should I look happy at any point in this show? But if they do win, I should look. I don't know how to I'll smile, you frown. That's good. Balance. You can interact with us on social media at facebook.com slash the drive show on Twitter at the drive 13. And of course, answer our weekly poll question and make your game predictions on our Twitter page. And remember, if you ever miss an episode of the drive, don't fret. You can listen to an only an audio only version that will appear each Monday morning in the form of a podcast. So dramatic at gopowercat.com and fog.net. And we start things off with our two-minute drill. The two-minute drill is sponsored by Vanderbilt's Your Work Boot Center. Scott, we start this week with another Kansas basketball loss. The Jayhawks fell by 12 to West Virginia. Is there any hope of this team turning it around? Well, Fitz, it's funny that this is the question, a question we've asked about K-State a number of times. And, you know, when we switch to basketball season, the KU topic comes before the Kansas State topic. It's funny. Maybe we should consider switching that with the way KU basketball has played as of late. Look, this last game for the Jayhawks, it was another uh, struggle at West Virginia. Look, West Virginia is a very good team. It's hard to beat a team like that on the road, and Kansas has split with West Virginia. Uh, But the Jayhawks have very real problems. Defensively, it was an issue at times. The offense kind of ground to a halt, three-point shooting. You see one make there by Christian Brown, but he only went two for seven. Turnover is a big issue for Kansas. If there is hope for turning things around, it starts with that guy, Jalen Wilson. Jalen Wilson was the team's best player early in the year. He was doing things with energy. He was getting to the basket. He was hitting open threes. He was a game changer, even playing the five spot at times. But that's really kind of stopped. He hit a a freshman wall. I know he's a redshirt freshman. Uh, Teams were doing a better job scouting him, playing, you know, being assignment sound and making it hard on him. His field goal percentage dropped. His rebounding at times dropped. His effort level defensively dropped. He seemed to get visibly frustrated. Bad body language. Uh, This is a guy who had 16 points, 14 rebounds in the last game. If Kansas can get him going, coupled with the improved play of David McCormick, coupled with a guy in Bryce Thompson, a five-star freshman, who's played one game since Christmas. He had a back injury because he took a bad fall in practice, comes back from that and actually plays really well defensively against Oklahoma State. But then he breaks his finger, I believe his index finger in that game and has surgery. That, those are pieces of a good team. What Kansas doesn't have right now, point guard play has to be a lot better. And that's not just Marcus Garrett. 
Dewan Harris had one of his worst games probably of, of the season, which makes it of his career uh, since this is his first playing year at West Virginia. He has to play better. The Jayhawks have to do more collectively defensively because they don't have uh, that rim protector in the paint to erase mistakes. So everyone has to play better. Christian Brown took a step in that direction this last game. He hit the deck a number of, a number of time for loose balls, but then his offensive game wasn't there. Fitz, I, I maintain Kansas has the pieces to be a good team. But it's starting to look like the formula maybe won't exist this year to find a way to get all those pieces to fit together. I still think they can beat a lot of good teams. They have beat a lot of good teams. They won at Texas Tech. They have some good wins. But right now, it really doesn't look good. They're about to be unranked for the first time since February Mm. of 2009. That's crazy. Well, luckily for them, the schedule is going to turn to their favor Mm. a little bit. So maybe they can get some momentum, get some confidence going. Yeah, Iowa State twice and Kansas State will help. Yeah, absolutely. K-State lost to Texas Tech on Saturday, 73-62. to But Fitz, it seems like the Wildcats were at least more competitive than in recent Big 12 games. What changed for Bruce Weber's team? Yeah, you know, Scott, I felt like K-State played its best defense in some ways of the year. You know, that Bruce Weber defense is really a, a five-man operation. I mean, it's, it's not just about defending your man. It's rotations and all kinds of things that, that really add up to something really special when they're in system. And these, this group of guys hasn't had much time in practice to get used to how to defend in Bruce Weber's system. This game they did inside the arc. They were really good defending Texas Tech inside the arc. The problem was they left too many Red Raiders open at the three-point line, and they ended up hitting 10 of 20 three-pointers in the game, and that's a formula on how to lose right there. But uh, because of that defense, I felt like they relaxed on offense, particularly as the game went. They got off to their typical slow start, but as the game progressed, particularly in the second half, they were shooting around 45% from the field and three points uh, behind the three-point line. And I know, you know, from the field doesn't sound good, but if you've been following along for K-State, that's a miraculous <laughs> performance. So K-State did show some signs that maybe they have made a little progress. And I tweeted this out right after the game. I knew coming into the season the wins would be few and far between. I wanted to see progress from the team. And right when I think we were about to see some, Nigel Pack went out with COVID. And now he's back. Uh, The team seems to be relaxed a little bit more. I think they realized how important the freshman point guard is to them. I don't know if they're going to win again because they really need to get their Iowa State game rescheduled, which still hasn't been put on the schedule. Uh, But if they continue to show progress, pick up the defensive principles of Bruce Weber's system, and keep moving the ball, and particularly inside out, outside in, they really let the postman get involved in the offense this, this game, they're going to be better. They're going to be at least more tolerable to watch, and sadly, that's where we are with a measurement of this team this year, is can you tolerate even watching the games? Because, Scott, a lot of K-State fans have checked out and aren't even paying attention to when the games are, let alone actually watching them. Fitz, there is extreme value in getting young players to play hard, to buy in defensively. I mean, again, I've made this comparison before. Kansas football this year, blown out by 30, 40 points, it felt like every week. Last game of the year, a three-point loss to Texas Tech that the defense stood up. And you know what? People take that. It's a sign of progress, and I think the players will too. Kansas State, less dire situation, but... They're, they're trying. They're fighting. I think yeah. it's important. Yeah, I don't ever think uh, effort's been a real problem with a couple exceptions this season. Just knowing what you're supposed to be doing has been the problem for these guys. Mm-hmm. Scott, we're taping before the Super Bowl, but let's look back on the year for Kansas City. When you think back to the season up to this point, 
What game or moment will you remember? Well, Fitz, I, I was thinking about a few things that could define the Chiefs this year. I mean, that early season win over the Texans or, or the one over the Ravens where it just felt like, yeah. wow, this team is really good. But to me, the Browns game going into the playoffs was such a, a special moment in Kansas City for really what it signified. First of all, you can't see that touchdown run and not think of other runs of Patrick Mahomes' career that were uh, super exciting. I know it was a much longer one, but one against the uh, against the Texans in the playoffs, you know, last year. But think about this game. The Chiefs for years have been the team that everything when they get in the playoffs that can go wrong will go wrong, whether they're playing at home, whether they're playing anywhere else. And for all intents and purposes, that's what happened again. Patrick Mahomes was knocked out of this game. You go to Chad Henney and Andy Reid trusts a guy to make a play. Andy Reid, a guy by the way, who has been maligned at past stops as well with the, the Philadelphia Eagles and even early in his tenure with the Chiefs uh, for coaching decisions. So this idea that uh, maybe he just can't win the big one, maybe he just can't you know, figure out a way to get over the hump, maybe it's late game clock management, whatever it is. Uh, Andy Reid has always been a guy to put his trust in players, to put his trust in talent, and that's exactly what he did. I mean, he turned to a backup quarterback and he said, yeah, hey, go throw the ball. Everything that could go wrong did go wrong. No Patrick Mahomes. Everyone's worried. Everyone's freaking out. Now it does feel a little bit easier and more palatable because the Chiefs did win the Super Bowl uh, a year ago. But, you know, that, that was a moment to me that signified a real changing of the guard where instead the Browns have to be thinking, come on, you know, Patrick Mahomes isn't even in the game and these guys are going to go for it on a fourth down and get it against us. I, I thought it was a cool moment. I think it was a moment that I'll remember from this year, whether or not the Chiefs, you know, again, we don't know at this point, have won the Super Bowl. Um, that, that was a moment fits that's that really stood out yeah that was a that was a really fun game you know for me though it was kind of that that postseason end of season lull where they weren't winning by enough to impress people and I'm like they right now they look like the smartest kid in class who's <laughs> bored out of his mind uh, and is cruising to get the A but eventually you have to take that test score and he'll blow it the, the lid off of it and that's the playoffs for the Chiefs we'll see if it played out we don't know. Now a quick look at your poll question results. The poll questions are brought to you by Midland Exteriors. Love the home you live in. Call today for a free estimate. Well, last week's question was, K-State basketball at the time had lost eight straight games. Will the Cats win another regular season game? 30% of you say yes, 70% say no. Mm, 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 mm. Here's this week's question. Oh, Scott, I love this question. <laughs> if number 23 Kansas and number 18 Missouri played tomorrow at T-Mobile Center, who would win? Kansas at 12 and 7 or Missouri at 13 and 3? Make sure you vote on our Twitter page at The Drive 13. The rare question that I think right now Kansas fans who might be upset with the team will say Missouri, and then Kansas State fans will also say Missouri, and I'm not sure who's voting for Kansas, even though I actually think Kansas could beat them. But, I do too. Uh, that will do it for this half of the two-minute drill, but we will be right back with more on KU and K-State on The Drive. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got 
got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. Welcome back to The Drive as we continue our weekly two-minute drill. The two-minute drill is sponsored by Vanderbilt's Your Work Boot Center. Scott, Kansas football has a new offensive coordinator. It is not me. I'm mm-hmm. disappointed. But tell us about who the Jayhawks are bringing, in, bringing on board. Well, Mike DeBoard is actually his name. That was not intentional, believe <laughs> it or not. Um, uh, he's, a, he's an interesting guy. He's had previous offensive coordinator stops, Tennessee, Indiana, Michigan is probably the most notable. And Look, when he was hired, I would say the reaction was pretty negative. I wouldn't say overwhelmingly negative. I think um, some people wondered about, is this, you know, just Les Miles hiring a buddy from from Michigan that that he was on staff with? Is this going to be a a super archaic offense uh, based off his reputation in the run game? You see some run highlights here. Um, But Mike DeBoard is really interesting for kind of a a few different reasons. First of all, he won a national championship uh, as Tom Brady. Fitz, I don't know if you've heard of this guy, Tom Brady at at Michigan. He was a quarterback. Um, Then then he takes a head coaching job, goes back there, and comes a game away from making the national championship. They lost, uh, Michigan lost its final game of the regular season uh, against a number one ranked Ohio State team, I believe, and that kept them out from going to a second national championship under uh, Mike DeBoard. He went to Tennessee um, after a stint in the NFL, his offense averaged over uh, 30 points per game. Since he left, they've averaged 24 points or fewer. So that's been a big drop-off. He went to Indiana. Uh, he's run some spread concepts. He's actually modernized his offense in a big way. But at the same time, you know, the, the reason why I think this hire was met with some criticism was this was a guy, for all intents and purposes, was ready to retire and was ready to retire about five years ago. The Indiana job seemed like a, a kind of a, a unique situation. He had some family there. Uh, I believe he's from the area, so uh, it maybe made a little bit more sense why he would take that job. He took an analyst job after that. It seemed like he was done. His contract kind of reflects that. When Les Kenning was hired as KU offensive coordinator, and he was an older guy, but he signed a five-year deal. This is a two-year deal and gives Mike DeBoard the opportunity to opt out and retire after one year with no uh, with, with no penalty, no buyout. So to me, this feels like a, you know, hey, we lost our offensive coordinator before signing day. We got to hire someone. Let's get someone in there that Les Miles trusts, who does have a good track record. He runs a much more simple system. He's not a big RPO guy. He's very traditional pro style. You know, you're going to go through progressions. We don't want you reading the field. For a young team, I think that's okay. But this, to me, reads as a one or two year stopgap hire. And then, you know, you're probably bringing in a new guy. It's an, it's a really interesting hire. I mean, I honestly, I felt like it was a Bill Snyder type hire. Mm. Go find some old guy that nobody else wants right now, and we're going to plug him in. And Coach Snyder could quite often turn them into good coaches. Let's let's see what happens here. 
I'm, I'm all for the traditional offense, though, Scott. I, I think sometimes we get too fancy, and getting back to basics can be good for a football team. Yeah, I, I think it could help out, especially because, again, <clears throat> he's a guy who's used spread concepts. He's not going to line up in I formation and run it up the middle 20 times a game. If he does, I think uh, there will be some questions about if the offensive coordinator is the offensive coordinator or yep. maybe the head coach. Uh, Fitz, recruiting is different this year for football programs. K-State picked up some transfers, and five seniors, including quarterback Skylar Thompson, are returning. How much does this help the Wildcats? Well, every senior that's coming back really does plug in a, a key position for the Wildcats. You know, we got Skylar Thompson, of course, at quarterback, so you get him back to kind of have one more season and maybe get the young quarterbacks further down the road <clears throat> with their progression. His center, Noah Johnson, comes back because uh, they were kind of attached, well, in some plays, literally. And uh, then you got some defensive guys coming back also. It's, it's uh, all of those positions are really helpful to this team. It's going to be really nice uh, to see how they progress. They did go into the transfer portal and, and pluck out some guys, uh, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. They had some attrition in the secondary with guys going out via the transfer portal, so they got two really experienced guys coming in from Louisville and Iowa, and I think uh, they improved themselves with use of the transfer portal. Uh, this, this transfer portal is fascinating to me, Scott, and the fact that Chris Kleiman has said he wants to be a developmental program and really hadn't intended to take junior college players, and now the transfer portal has become such a big deal. He kind of admitted that because of their attrition, it was important for them to go find some guys that could play right away and plug them in. Uh, but maybe the biggest off-season change is something that Chris Kleiman mentioned in his press conference this week. Offensive coordinator Courtney Messingham, who has coached the running backs and tight ends, is switching to the receivers, and Jason Ray, the receivers coach, is going to take over running backs and tight ends. And the thought behind that was, of course, to try to get uh, the offensive coordinator more in tune with the passing game on the same page as the receivers, because the receivers really struggled throughout the 2020 season. If that was the reason, I'm not sure, but I am surprised, Scott, that they didn't go into the transfer portal and find at least one receiver. That seemed like the biggest need from those of us on the outside, but they never really seemed to dig in and look at too many receivers, which frankly is quite surprising, but uh, so be it. Uh, tracking this transfer portal into the future is gonna be fascinating mm -hmm. for fans, and I almost think that, that teams, both basketball and football, and you know maybe other sports, almost need to have a graduate assistant level person that is monitoring the transfer portal, just like you have a recruiting coordinator that monitors high school recruits. It's changing the game so dramatically. Yeah, well Fitz, one, another thing interesting to look at with that, just to see how many of these guys transfer and play. I think mm -hmm. everyone thinks they're gonna play when they transfer, but you know, I'll be curious to see how many of those guys actually play and play the role they think they're going to. Yep, uh, exactly. And now we step out of bounds. Out of Bounds is brought to you by Copeland Insurance Agency part of your community for more than 60 years. Well, since the focus this weekend is on a certain professional football team mm. in Kansas City, let's discuss pro mm. sports. KC is mentioned often as a possible destination for either an NBA or NHL franchise. Fitz, which would you prefer? Uh, I'm gonna say something surprising here. I would prefer an NHL team. I, I'm, I'm not a hockey guy, but I feel like it's, it's something that would be unique in the marketplace. I, I look at Kansas City outside of the Chiefs, but it, it's really a college town. I mean, even the Royals are kind of a summer distraction from football and basketball. And certainly with basketball, I consider it a college basketball town with the history of 
of what's gone on in Kansas City and the fact that all the programs in the area like to play a game in downtown Kansas City and the Big 12 tournaments there. I will say this, there's a thought out there that if they add an NBA team, it will water down the fan base for Kansas basketball. All those any bandwagon people in Kansas City that might just pick KU will now switch over to the Kansas City NBA team. So overall, I think for the the kind of the marketplace, I, I'd prefer NHL. And I would probably tend to go to an NHL game uh, more than an NBA game. I know you're a fan of the NBA. Mm -hmm. I am not. I just don't like, I almost think they're too good. Uh, <laughs> and that's really the problem. They almost look bored at times out there and going through the motions, but they are so good, the game's too easy for them. It's just absurd at times. Yeah, personally, I would prefer an NBA team, but I actually think NHL might be like the quote-unquote correct answer, just especially when you consider it, you know, if an NBA team came in Kansas City, it'd have to be a Western Conference team. They want to add teams that looks like Seattle, Las Vegas. It, it would be really complicated and convoluted to make it work, I think, logistically and with what the market would maybe like, NHL would work better. But personally, yes, uh, an NBA team for me. The frozen fountains. Well, now let's hear from the fans and our fan question this week. It's a pretty good one. Uh, who has the better drink options to numb the futility? Scott for KU football or Fitz for KU, KSU basketball? That's Ken in Kansas City. Fitz, before I turn this over to you, because you have a better answer than me, uh, I just want to say Kansas football is the bad team to kind of ask with this just because they play so many 11 a.m. games, and that's not really conducive to yeah. partying and having something fun. But if you, wanna, if you do leave a game early and you're looking for a good brunch restaurant with uh, creative drinks, Milton's in Lawrence is pretty good. <laughs> good plug right there. <laughs> um, I would have to say K-State basketball. I think KU football is in worse shape. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. th there's 12 times, 10 this mm -hmm. year, where you can just kind of tune out or you can watch a little bit and then move on. Like Scott said, you can just be done with it and have the rest of your Saturday freed up. K-State basketball is like a prolonged illness. They're playing twice a week. Maybe they get some reschedules in here. They'll be three times a week and you just kind of are slowly beaten down and you begin to realize there's not enough bourbon in the world to get me through this season. So I'd probably have to go with K-State basketball. Yeah, make no mistake, I agree. Kansas football in a worse spot, I just think. Uh, as you mentioned, a good point, number of games plays a yep. factor too. Well, remember to ask us your questions on our Facebook page and on Twitter at The Drive 13. And when we return, we will look at our predictions here on The Drive. Should you ever set foot outside of the motel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow, now streaming on Paramount Plus, only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan. Welcome back to The Drive as we head down the home stretch of this week's show. Now it's time to take a look at our predictions. Remember to make your weekly predictions on our Twitter page at The Drive 13. Let's look at last week's <laughs> results. Oh, man. Why do we have to do this? Aaron, let's cut this from the show. Uh, the viewers went 1-1. One one. Scott went 2-0. and oh. The other guy went 0-2. Oh he shall not be mentioned. Fans voted for the Super Bowl. Uh, we're 85% for the Chiefs, so that'll be added next week. Here are this week's Picks, and we start with Kansas, minus nine and a half at Iowa State. Scott, five road losses in a row for Kansas. I will take them to cover, but 
that's a lot of points. I'm reluctantly picking Iowa State, which is actually worse than K-State. I don't know how that's possible. Next, Next. is Kansas State plus 14 and a half at Oklahoma State. Fitz, I'll take Kansas State. Yeah, I'm going to take Oklahoma State just to stick with my vow to always pick against them from now on. <laughs> Our last game of the week is Texas Tech plus 10 and a half at Baylor. Marquee game. You say. I'll take the Red Raiders, but Baylor doesn't play close games, so it's a little worrisome. I got the Bears. Mm -hmm. Again, make your picks on our Twitter page at the Drive 13 Now it's time for our On the Clock segment. On the Clock is sponsored by Carpet One, by Local for a Strong Local Community. And let's start with Mr. Scott chasing a fog.net. Well, it's just a, a very little amount of time here, but signing day this last week, Kansas officially, one in the early period, one in the late period, signed to two highest rated recruits in program history, Quay Davis, a receiver, Devin Neal, a running back out of Florence. Recruiting on-field results don't always line up. The Jayhawks are still recruiting well. As long as that lasts, the Les Miles experiment can remain in Lawrence. What a strange signing day for Kansas State. They announced the signing of two freshmen that we knew were going to be signed well in advance. There was no breaking urgent news for K-State football. They had invested their efforts into the transfer portal and keeping some seniors, and we'll see if that pays off in the field, on the field in the fall. That's it for this week's edition of The Drive. We will see you next week right here and all week on social media.